my in-laws are people who, uh, who could be doing better than they are financially, but probably the reason why they're not is because he has given so much money to the church and to various good works over the years that he probably doesn't have all the resources that he could have had had he not given so much money to the Lord's work. Uh, I, I genuinely love my in-laws very much. He loves the Lord. He loves the church. He wants his church to thrive. Uh, he wants his daughter's church to thrive wherever she's serving or his son-in-law is serving. They want good things. And so he asks all the time, how's it going? Tell me about the church. What's happening? And so we sat down at, for dinner at one of these nights, and he, and he just looked at me and said, okay, so tell me how things are. And I told him that things were good. I told him that things were very good. And I, I have to confess that I was a little bit saddened in being able to tell him that because things aren't as well with his own church. Uh, the Eastside congregation that Robin's parents have now served for years at uh, is a church that has slowly dwindled in size over the last few years. Uh, it's a church that is uh, rapidly graying and there are not very many young families and some of the young families with kids that they have are leaving and that kind of thing. And it was a little bit sad for me to recognize that about them and see that their church is not flourishing. At the same time, I enjoyed very much being able to bless him by telling him, and it was a blessing to me to be able to tell him how we are doing. And so here's what I said to him. These are the kind of things I described for him. I said, we have a slug. I don't know if I actually used the word slug, but I said, we have a slug of young families with kids. And there are just babies there. And our ladies just keep producing them. They just keep coming out. And so there are young families with children everywhere, and it's absolutely wonderful that that's happening. I talked to him about how many groups use our building during the week, how many community groups, uh, immigrant groups, people learning English as a second language and that kind of thing. Uh, NeighborLink now does a kind of a mini daycare here on Tuesday mornings. It's absolutely wonderful that that's happening. I talked to him about how things were going with our children's Bible school. And about all the teachers we have and how committed they are and the kids and how our classrooms are overflowing. And we got so many kids in our classrooms that we just can't accommodate them all. Because our classrooms just aren't enough and they're too small and we've got too many kids. It's a good problem to have. I talked to him about our attendance being consistently over 300 during the fall. I talked to him about how many adults we have in our Bible school on Sunday mornings. I talked to him about how well our life groups are doing. And uh, about our Moms and Tots program. I don't know, you don't all have a chance to be here on Wednesday morning when Moms and Tots takes place and when ladies from our community come and join ladies from our church in a, just a time of fellowship and, and uh, getting to know one another and for them to, these people from the community to have a chance to know uh, people who serve the Lord and who love the Lord. I talked to him about our Homeless Partners Project and about the 800 homeless people that receive gifts this year. In fact, this is so interesting. I don't know if you know that the Homeless Project has started in Vancouver with Dan and Jenny Kieran. We know, we know them now. And then it came here to Calgary. This was the second place for the Homeless Project. But it's now in places like Denver, and it's in Portland, and it's in New York, and it's in – isn't it someplace in Florida, Brandy? Isn't there one in Miami? Yeah. Like the Homeless Project is expanding, and people are starting to 
really make a contribution to that, that homeless effort. And it all started with Dan and Jenny doing their thing in Vancouver and then coming here and all of that propagating. It's absolutely wonderful. Well, those are some of the things that I talked about with my father-in-laws. He and I sat across the table. And here are some other things I said. Or I should say, here are some other things that I could have said. I could have said, you ought to see our VBS program and the things that are going on in our church for a week during the summer and the chance we have for our community to come here and to participate in that. I could have said, you ought to see how hard our teachers plan during the week to get ready for their classes on Sunday mornings. I know that happens because my wife is one of those, and I watch how hard she prepares. I could have talked about our men's and women's ministries and about the fact that every year there's a men's retreat at which somebody is going to fall off a horse and land in the mud. Is Jason here? Jason's not here. It's too bad you missed that. But James is here, and James could tell us his story. Um, I, I could have told them about uh, our teens going to Mexico last summer and what a blessing it was for my daughter to be on that trip, their granddaughter, and how blessed she was. I could, t- could have told them about Gary and Barb going and uh, about David and Shirley being there right now. I could talk about the several mission works that we support. Uh, And the way that we support not just one or two, but about five different mission efforts around the world. I could have talked about our third world benevolence in Zimbabwe and Zambia. And how that benevolence work continues to increase with us every year at about this time as we incorporate a new budget. I could have talked about our coffee house that raised money for the kids to go to Mexico and the positive influence that that is. I could talk about these soccer balls. And the numerous soccer balls that we bought and the way that they've been handed out to our community. I could talk about those who work with addiction problems in our church. I could talk about how Brandy uh, talks to people on a daily basis who are addicted to something, who come by our building and who get food and nourishment from our our church family. I could talk about our clothing exchange exchange and our benevolence ministry and how hard the that uh, Larry and Joanne work to make sure that all of that functions and gets done what needs to be done in our community. I could talk about our food pantry and all that goes on there. I could talk about the great relationships that we have with other churches in town and how Jack Ashby works hard to cement those relationships. I could talk about the uh, blessing that it is for us to be participating in a church planting and participating in other potential church plantings here in Canada. I could talk about our discipleship process and the chance that people have to grow. I could talk about our support of Christian education, the form of Western Christian and ABC. I could talk about all of those of you who are ministry leaders and the ways in which you serve. I could talk about uh, not just the babies that have been born in our church, but the young families and the way that they're concerned about raising those children in the Lord and how we focused on family throughout the fall and, and what a blessing it was to just talk about what it means to be Christian families. I could talk about special events like re- the reverse conference that went on in October this year or uh, talk about Jeff Walling coming last spring and how he had all those men stand up here and do their thing with the Beatitudes. Do you remember that? I could talk about our elders and how they pray for our church every week, How about how you take prayer requests to them and they have a chance to pray and how God blesses those prayers. I could talk about the encouragement that we receive from each other on Sunday mornings. I could talk about the smooth transition that we had take place in losing one youth minister and moving into another and about how the one that's now with us is not an Oilers fan. He is instead a Canucks fan, which is not as bad, and so we're grateful to have him here. I could talk about our youth worship and those who volunteer every Sunday to do that. I don't know when the last time was that Jody experienced worship with you when the kids were down there. 
Now, on a Sunday morning like this, she could be in here. But when there's youth worship, she's there, she's not in here. And it probably happens for her 45 times a year that she's downstairs with those. It reminds you of a Wayne McKaig who would serve for 18 years with the kids downstairs. I could talk about uh, the hard work that our worship team goes through each week to get ready for our service on Sunday morning. I could talk about our sense of family or talk about how hard people worked for the Christmas Eve service or just talk about what a blessing the Christmas Eve service was to me. I could tell him about his his granddaughter and how much she loves to be part of the youth group here, how much she loves her church and, and just loves being here. I could talk about how she loves to refer to his father as the bald one, but how that's going to someday come back and haunt her. I could talk about how God has been of direct blessing to people in our church family in the last year. I could think of the ways or talk about the ways in which he blessed the Clarks during Drew's illness. I could talk about how he provided Jordan and Carrie with strength along with the rest of their family and how he used this church family to bless them. I could talk about how he has already comforted Donna Snyder in Eldon's loss in just the last few weeks. And if I had mentioned all these things, I still wouldn't have mentioned the freedom we have in Canada to worship. I still wouldn't have mentioned the freedom and the forgiveness from our sins that we have experienced this year. I know that I needed forgiveness this year, and my guess is that you did too. I still wouldn't have talked about the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and the sense of peace that we derive from God being with us on a moment-by-moment basis. I still wouldn't have talked about how he helps spiritual growth to take place for some of you in this last year. Cheryl Johnson has grown this year and was baptized into Jesus Christ. She's new to us. But some that have been here a long time, like Jeff Holmgren, have described for us their spiritual growth as well. So we have people who are brand new who've grown. We have people who've been here for a long time, and they've grown as well. All of those things have indeed been blessings. I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 1. When you take all of those things that I just cataloged, and who knows how many things that I didn't mention, and you add them all up, the result of it all is that God has blessed us. He has continued to shower down upon us rich blessing. And so you can be the the Davies family, and you may have lost an Ellen. In the last year. And we've lost her. But it doesn't mean that God has not blessed us. That he hasn't blessed us richly. And it shouldn't be a surprise. Ephesians chapter 1. I should have turned there too. Ephesians chapter 1. In verse 3 says this. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Every spiritual blessing has come our way in Jesus. It should not be a surprise that I can stand here and list 20 or 30 things in ways in which God has blessed us in the last year. That shouldn't surprise anybody. Because that's what he does. 
Every spiritual blessing, the text says, has been poured out on us because of Jesus. And if you were to read the rest of this section, down through verse 14, you would find time after time after time, Paul saying, this is what he's done for us in Christ. This is what he's done for us in Christ. This is what we have in Christ. This is the blessing that we have in Jesus. He says that continually for 14 verses. And of course, the summation of all of that is, is there's this incredible blessing that is ours in Christ. Jesus is the ultimate blessing for us. We have him as the ultimate blessing. He is with us and he continues to shower down blessings upon us. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah! Like what a blessing it is to know that that's the case. I'm kind of... uh, this thing about me being like this, waiting for a response from the group, is because at some point you think that somebody might want to respond. A couple of weeks ago, Daryl Bean said, Kelly, when you got done preaching, he said, I wanted to tell you, I almost stood up in the middle of your sermon, and I almost said, hey, don't we all agree with this? Isn't this right? Now, it's nice to have somebody agreeing with you, but I almost wish Daryl would have done it. That would have been a good thing. Because I think when it comes to talking about these kind of things, this is exactly what God wants us to be thinking about. He wants us on this page together. Thinking about the blessings that he sends our way. And how wonderful it is to be a part of his church family in this place as he continues to bless us. And so he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. And you think there should be some smiles out there about that kind of thing. And so as we start this new year together, recognize what you have in God and what a blessing it is that Christ has showered down on us the blessings the way that he has. Now I want you to look at another text which is just absolutely wonderful. Turn to 2 Kings of all places. 2 Kings chapter 6. 2 Kings, if you don't know where it is in your Bible, it comes immediately after 1 Kings. And chapter 6 comes right after chapter 5. Well done. And look at verse 8. Now the king of Aram was at war with Israel. (laughs) Things haven't changed much. After conferring with his officers, he said, I will set up my camp in such and such a place. The man of God sent word to the king of Israel, beware of passing that place because the Arameans are going down there. So the king of Israel checked on the place indicated by the man of God. Time and again, Elisha warned the king so that he was on his guard in such places. This enraged the king of Aram. He was summoned. He, he summoned his officers and demanded of them, "Will you not tell me which of us is on the side of the king of Israel?" He thought he had uh, an infiltrator, somebody that was spying and giving all the the message, giving the uh, all the information to Israel. None of us, my lord, the king, said one of his officers, but Elisha the prophet, who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. Go find out where he is the king ordered, so I can send men and capture him. The report came back. He is in Dothan. Then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. They went by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. 
Oh, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. And at this point in the text, don't read on any further. Greg, lift your head. Don't be reading any further. It sounds like things are not so good. The city is surrounded. This evil king of Aram is after the prophet Elisha. He's after him. He's going for him. He sent soldiers to arrest him because he doesn't want him to keep giving messages to Israel about what the Arameans are doing. And it doesn't look good for the prophet. It doesn't look good for the prophet's messenger. He's thinking we're in big trouble here. But that's because he simply doesn't see everything that God is doing. And so you look at verse 16 and it says, Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes so he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. As the enemy came down toward him, Elisha prayed, The Lord, strike these people with blindness. So he struck them with blindness at Elisha, as Elisha had asked. And the bottom line here is this. There was an army there the whole time. The whole time that it looked to, the, to Elisha's servant like God wasn't doing anything and that he had deserted them, that whole time the army of the Lord was right there, ready to pounce. Ready to do not just Elijah's bidding, but God's bidding. And folks, we just need to have eyes that see. We just need to be able to see what it is that God is doing around us everywhere. My list could be multiplied. I could have kept going. We could talk all morning about all the things that God is doing. I could have had each one of you stand up this morning. I could have said, John, tell me about it. What's God doing in your life this week? Or I could have turned to this John and said, John, tell me what God's doing in your life this week. Or I could have gone over here and asked any number of you, what is it that God is doing in your lives this week? And it might be that you've experienced some pain. It might be that there's some hardship. It might be that there are things that going on, are going on that you wish weren't going on, but it's not because God isn't there. We just have to open our eyes and see his armies that surround us. To see, to see his armies that not only surround us individually, but that surround the church that are here for us to access to call upon, and for God to do things through us, among us, because he's God, and that's what he does with his people. And so God is right now around us. Do you you see the chariots? Do you see the chariots? Do you see the warriors that are there on your behalf? Because indeed, they are there. And you may not sometimes think they are. But it's not because they aren't. It's because our eyes just need to be opened. 
And so God has blessed us beyond what we could hope or imagine, Paul would say in Ephesians 3.20. And with open eyes, we're going to see God continue to bless us in the year 2009. I don't know what your hopes are for 2009 regarding your relationship with Christ, regarding the church. We haven't talked about that. I don't, I don't know that anybody has shared with me what they hope will happen in 2009 regarding their personal walk with Christ or with the church. But I promise you that with your eyes open, God will bless you. And good things are going to come our way. I know that because he has blessed us so richly in 2008. And he's going to continue to bless us in that way. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the ways in which you have watched over us and blessed us in the last year. And Father, I'm looking forward with great expectation to what you and your armies with you will do in 2009. Father, I pray that you'd expand our vision. Help us to see. Help us to hope. Develop us in us an attitude of looking ahead and, and asking what it is that you want to do among us. Father, I pray that you prepare our hearts and lead us directly down that path into the, those battles that you want us to go. Father, I don't even have to ask. Be with us in that. I know you are. And I, I just pray, God, that we can see that. Pray that your spirit will plant that in our hearts. Help us to act on what we see, Father, in terms of you doing among us. It's through Christ that we pray. Amen.